As the worship team goes and sits down, uh, let me pray for us also. So let's pray. Father, may no one remember the words I speak, but hear a word from you. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Grace and peace to you, ENC students, faculty, staff, alumni, and maybe some visitors. I pray that today you would encounter by the power of the Holy Spirit the grace of God and the peace of Christ that surpasses all understanding. Students, you might be wondering, who is this guy standing here? And alumni, many of you are wondering, who is this kid? And who did he pay to have this opportunity to bring a word from this floor this morning? And the check is going to Montague, and it's going to be in the mail next week. But what would be helpful to know about me this morning? Throughout the last 10 years of my life with God, I have experienced the healing, redeeming graciousness of a surprisingly holy God. Even when my mind protests, I still can't deny my experiences. This thing, this person, Jesus, is real to me. Sometimes encountering God is when, when someone speaks the truth to me. Sometimes in the loving of someone unlovable. Sometimes in reconciliation that feels like it comes from somewhere outside of myself. I encounter God in the intrusive, mysterious, and beautiful living word of God, scriptures. I have also been surprised to encounter God as I engage with tradition. When I read the stories of our foremothers and fathers of the faith, when I hear their stories of failure and faithfulness, it reminds me that I'm not alone. And that I'm not alone trying to figure this thing out, following Jesus and participating in God's mission for the world. But almost always, I experience God in some shape or form of death and resurrection. When I pray to this healing, redeeming, and surprisingly gracious holy God, I've learned to only do one thing, is to bring my whole deathly vulnerable self to a God that wants to proclaim hope and resurrection in my life and in this world. This posture of vulnerability in my life began here at ENC. My time here wasn't perfect, and I wish I did some things differently. But it was a time and place where I experienced God from many forms of death and of resurrection. I am so thankful for those people that spoke truth in my life when I didn't want to hear it, encouraged me when I wanted to wallow, and invited me into their lives of grace, love, and mercy. Don't take this time in your life for granted, students. This melting pot of people trying to figure out what it means to be faithful followers of Christ and trying to get a degree. As I've continued to grow after college, I've realized that the most amazing part of this life with God is that we don't receive resurrection and new life out of piety or out of our own moralistic compass, but by allowing our vulnerable selves to receive God's gracious love for us. We, we kind of sang about it a couple minutes ago. And in this space of vulnerability, God speaks truth of who we are and who we are called to be. Not for us to hoard away like it's something we've earned, but so that we can participate in God's kingdom work, 
redeeming and healing all of creation back into right relationship with this God. This participation and resurrection work is weird. It's weird because it happens in the most darkest and deathly places in our world and in and through our lives. This is not easy. It takes a day-to-day surrender for us, for me at least. In most days, I really suck at this. I struggle to wake up in the morning and spend time listening and speaking to God honestly, vulnerably, in such a way that invites God into my whole life, not those places in which I give permission for God to be in. But in the past six months, I'm here to share with you that I have found a book in the Bible to be surprisingly helpful in its honesty, in its creativity, in its imagination, and this book is the book of Psalms. Before six months ago, I never really read the Psalms because I didn't really get it. It seemed to be a collection of random sayings from a context that I didn't know. And all I did know is that David wrote most of them and he had a complex life of a lot of ups and a lot of downs. Eugene Peterson, the writer of The Message and a great author in which writes a bunch of books about pastoral ministry and the pastoral in the Christian life, write this about the Psalms. This is good stuff. More people have learned to pray by reciting in the Psalms than any other way. The Psalms were the prayer book of Israel. They were the prayer book of Jesus, and they are the prayer book of the church. At no time in Hebrew and Christian centuries have the Psalms not been at the center of all concern and practice of prayer. I'm coming to realize that the Psalms might be the most ridiculously mysterious and creative book in all the Bible. For this reason that comes out of Athanasius, this 4th century Egyptian theologian and bishop, he says this, and I'm going to repeat it twice because it's, it's really good. Most of scripture speaks to us. The Psalms speak for us. Most of scripture speaks to us and the Psalms speak for us. I'm still chewing on this today. When I come before God in prayer more times than not, I'm not 100% sure how to articulate how I feel and what I'm experiencing. For example, what words should I say when I'm praying on behalf of a student that's cutting themselves? How can I pray for people that have encountered an earthquake in Haiti on October 7th? I'm not sure exactly the words to speak when the nations are in chaos And their kingdoms, of whatever you want to call it, Republican or Democrat, are crumbled before me as they speak to one another in hate and in violence. I don't know how to pray as my brothers and sisters of a different skin color die because of the tone of their skin. The book of Psalms speaks for us. Because they give us language and permission to speak to God with complete honesty and openness. Not out of instruction, but out of the real lives of other Christians that were and are trying to figure out what it means to follow Jesus. To explore more of this idea that the Psalms are for us, I want want you to check out a video with uh, Bono and Eugene Peterson called The Psalms. Don't don't check it out right now. It's like a 20-minute video, but maybe in your next class or whenever you're in your dorm room. (laughs) Sorry, professors. As I've explored the Psalms in my prayer life, I have found words of expression that remind me that I'm not alone. You're not alone. 
There have been other Christians much more faithful than me that have times in their life of anger and frustration and complete exhaustion. But I believe that the Psalms can reveal our life of faith in three basic movements. First is orientation. Then there are moments in our lives of disorientation. And there maybe might be moments of new orientation. This constant movement of orientation, disorientation, and new orientation help us to be honest about what is happening to us. This might provide a way to think about the Psalms in relation to our own common experience. All of us are on this pilgrimage, this intentional journey towards God through our lives and experiences and moments of orientation, disorientation, and new orientation. Now, this concept is not from me. It's from an Old Testament scholar uh, named Walter Brueggemann, which I think is like the coolest last name ever. Um, And he's an Old Testament scholar that engages with scripture, with imagination and creativity. And he, he masterfully bridges the gap between the Old Testament and the culture in which we live in. And he names that bridge to be the way of Jesus and the person of Jesus. He's a really great author. But what is orientation? Orientation is a situation of equilibrium, a moment in our life where we feel like life makes sense. God is well placed in the heavens. Psalms that articulate joy, delight, and goodness. And I'm here to say, sadly, there are only a few of these psalms of orientation. But there are many of disorientation. Life that's full of forms of death or some kind of death. These psalms are ones of complaint that evoke rage, resentment, self-pity, and hatred. As one of my friends that has two kids, those are real emotions. They're not fake. These are very real. These are religious only in the sense that they're willing to articulate this chaos to the very face of the holy God. These psalms of complaint expect a response from God as we go to God in prayer with our words or emotions of complaint. We believe that God will respond. And how will God respond? I believe it is in some kind of new orientation, some kind of resurrection, some kind of new life, psalms of celebration of acts of radical hope. This is not a return to the old form of orientation, a return to normalcy as though nothing had happened. This newness happens as a surprise, a gift of grace. This experience deeply touches and moves us to announce that God has not left the world in chaos, but walks with us by the power of the Holy Spirit into the resurrected life. So why is this helpful? It is to see that the reality of life, moments of some sort of death and some forms of resurrection are held together in a powerful tension called our life. To show how the psalms of negativity, the complaints of various kinds, the cries of vengeance and profound repentance are not counter to following Jesus, but are the very foundation to a life with God. The psalms are a collective, a collection of over a long period of time of eloquent, passionate songs and prayers of people who are at the desperate edges of their life, like maybe some of you are. 
So how do we see this? I want to read through Psalms 46 with you and show you. I'm going to read one or two verses and stop and share with you how we see this orientation, disorientation, and new orientation. So I'm going to read from Psalms 46, verses 1 to 11 from the New Living Translation. Verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. This is orientation. An affirmation of who God is to take refuge in God, knowing that God is present in the midst of our troubles. Verse 2 and 3. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. This is definitely disorientation. These verses present the ultimate worst-case scenario and cosmic expression, worries of death. And according to the ancient Near East view of the universe, the mountains were both the foundations that anchored the land and the very pillars that held up the sky. These verses articulate a modern-day doomsday scenario. Pretty scary. Verse 4 and 5. A river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. This is new orientation. This truth that in the midst of earthly chaos, that God doesn't run away but dwells with us and protects us. So what does this mean for us today? Well, many times God dwells with us through other people. For me, the psalm has convicted me to a place of refuge for those damaged by Hurricane Matthew. I'm actually going to be asking our teenagers at Community Chapel in Nashua how we can help. How we can be a conduit of refuge for our sisters and brothers that are dealing with death all around them. Verse 6 to 9. Hear these words. The nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders and the earth melts. The Lord of heaven armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Come, see the glorious works of the Lord. See how he brings destruction upon the world. He causes wars to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bow and snaps the spear. He burns the shields with fire. These are good verses, I promise. But in the beginning, right, we see disorientation here. Our nations, our kingdoms of political parties, whatever you want to call them, are definitely in chaos. We can all see that. But we must understand the kingdom ethics of God are different than this world. The Lord of heaven armies are not of bow or sword, tanks, submarines, or nuclear missiles, but of peace and of reconciliation and of mercy, and of hope, and of love, and of resurrection, then there's new orientation, right? Come see the work of God. Come see that God's kingdom of peace, justice, and reconciliation will be chaos and confusion in this world because we live an ethic that's different from this world, and the world won't know what to do with us. Verse 10 and 11. You might know these. Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored through the world. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. 
These words of be still and know that I am God, these ones that you see on posts on Instagram and Facebook, are actually not passive, but imperative in the Greek. This is not just a call to meditate and relaxation. I think we're just scratching the surface of this verse. But in light of reading verse 9 as something like stop or throw down your weapons of actions and choice words that, that brings death and destruction. But instead, hold true to this new reality, this new orientation of that kingdom of God is one of peace justice, and reconciliation. And we must, as people of God, act in these ways as the kingdom of this world is in chaos. So I just ran through this beautiful psalm full of images and metaphors, and I hope you can see that God has and continues to be present in the midst of our disoriented season of life where the forms of death are all around us. But in the midst of this disorientation, God proclaims that God is for us and dwelling with us, calling us to participate in a kingdom reality that is countercultural to this world. And we participate in that kingdom by praying these words in Psalms 46 and in other Psalms, letting these words become our own and inviting them to shape the way we live as followers of Christ. I have found great language and authority and hope in these words of the Psalms. The Psalms are not in a vacuum, as you can see, but in the history of God's people where we are dying and rising, where God is at work, entering into our lives and offering us gracious new beginnings for us as children of God, as we sang a few minutes ago. The Psalms move with our experiences and moments of a great emotion. They may also take us beyond our guarded experience into the tension and mystery of our sisters and brothers that we share life with, those that we eat in the cafeteria with, those that we go to class with, those that we share hobbies and sports with. So I hope you've heard this today. Maybe you started watching the Bono Eugene Peterson video. This is it. I have no formula for prayer and if you have a perfect one, please shoot me an email. But there is this creative and mysterious book of the Bible called the Psalms, which provides for me and many Christians, and hopefully you, language to pray. And a pathway to live as a faithful follower of Christ and to have hope. Ladies and gentlemen, have hope. But hope that's weird. Hope that is rooted precisely in the midst of loss and darkness, where God is surprisingly present. The hope of Christ, the hope of resurrection, the hope of life, is rooted precisely in the midst of loss and darkness, where God is surprisingly present. When you and I pray to this healing redeeming, and surprisingly gracious, holy God. I pray for us that we only have to do one thing, to bring our whole deathly vulnerable selves to a God that wants to proclaim hope and resurrection in our lives. And in doing that, calls us to bring hope and resurrection in this world. May we become more honest with ourselves and others 
as we engage with God's word. And as we pray and live within our experiences in real emotions, may we even hear God's call upon our life to enter into the darkest places of the world to proclaim hope and resurrection, not out of our own abilities, but in and through God's grace. Amen. Would you stand with me? God, thank you for the words of our brother Mike. Pray that we would have ears to hear those today. As we move through um, the events of this weekend, this meaningful time together, we proclaim that you are the God who has been behind us. You are the God that is in front of us. You are also the God that stands here right next to us in the present day. And I pray that as we interact with each other that our words will be full of prayers with each other because you exist with us. Your spirit resides within us. We pray for that experience to take place this weekend that we would experience you in our time with each other. Go with us as we leave this place and enter into the events of this weekend. We would be sure to give you the glory, the honor, the praise for what you've done in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go in peace. You are dismissed.